so you can write out in the garden as well. Oh yes, oh yes, yeah. I do. I do often get distracted by seeing something that you know needs tying up or tidying up, or you know, the lawn needs mowing. So, but uh, yeah, much much nicer surroundings than staring yeah. at four walls anyway. Hi, this is Bob Wells here, and welcome to Undercurrent Stories. This is the show where we hear about people's interests and uncover some fascinating stories at the same time. My guest today is Adam Croft, international best-selling crime fiction and thriller author. With almost 2 million books sold to date, Adam is one of the most successful independently published authors in the world and one of the biggest selling authors of the past few years, having sold books in over 120 different countries. Firstly, we hear about Adam's new book, What Lies Beneath, which comes out on the 28th of July. Set in Rutland, the book is the first in a new crime series. We then hear about what life is like as an author and Adam gives some great tips on writing for budding authors. Later, Adam tells us about his Partners in Crime podcast, which he hosts with fellow crime writer and actor Robert Dawes. I hope that you enjoy the show. Hi Adam and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for coming on. You've got a new book coming out, What Lies Beneath, released on 28th of July. The first in new series set in Rutland, not far from where I live, actually. Yes, yes. Yeah, the first time I've actually set um, a book and, and particularly a series in a, a real location. I've, I've been writing for, well, for about 10 years professionally now. I've had about 20 something books out. But yeah, this, this is the first time it's in a real place and um, I'm a bit nervous about it, but, <laughs> but looking forward to it as well. Yeah. So presumably you're familiar with, with that area, are you? I am. Yeah. Yeah. My parents live in Oakham. So, um, so very familiar with, with, with the area. I've been, um, in fact, my wife and I, we got engaged in Stamford, um, nearly 10 years ago. Oh, so wow. yeah, we're, we're in, well, we spend probably about a quarter of our lives in, in Rutland. We're, we're up with my parents kind of weekly, fortnightly outside of major global pandemics anyway. So how, how's life been like with lockdown for you? Um, it's it's been odd. We've um, we've got a three year old son, so that's difficult. He's he's normally with with both sets of grandparents for a for a day a week each, and he also goes to to preschool. So my wife works at home with me as well, where she kind of takes care of my my office side of things. So um, it, it's it's difficult. We've been running at half speed, really, or less than half yeah. speed, but it it's not. It's not massively different. I don't tend to go out a whole lot, really, um, other than to perhaps pop to the pub or to to, yeah. to visit Rutland. So, other than that, I am I am missing being up there, though. I must admit. Yes, yes, I bet. So, before we talk about the book, um, obviously, as you mentioned, you've got over twenty books independently published, mm. sold in one hundred and twenty countries. That's an amazing achievement. Can you tell us about that journey, please, and a little about your background and how you came to writing books? Uh, well, I mean, I've always written stories, I think, ever since ever since being at school. But um, I, I had the idea for my first book in about 2008, I think it was. And it took me about two years, two and a half years to actually get the, the first one written, which ended up only being about a 20,000-word novella. Um, yeah. And around that time, I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it. It was just something I wanted to do to see if I could write a full book so I've got a very short attention span and um, you know I tended to kind of tap out at poetry and short stories so I wanted to see if I could write a full book um, and around that time the Kindle was starting to come out and ebooks oh, yeah. were starting to become and you know the publishing landscape was really changing so I thought well this is a great way of being able to put it out there 
see, you know, if anybody likes it, get some feedback and work my way up to the, you know, the traditional publishing deal, which everyone thinks is the, um, the only real way forward. But it became clear quite early on that there was a lot of potential in this as a career choice and as a, a way of doing it in itself. So I, um, I spent the next five years really plugging away, trying to improve things, um, trying to work out how I could build this up and um, and make it work for me. And and it did. It, it took about five years to get there, and I was able to then go full time with it. And yeah, it's been it's been getting better and better ever since. So I'm I'm really pleased. So you were working sort of half a day in the you know normal work, and then half a day doing the writing. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, filling in with with other jobs to um, to try and you know, keep things going. But um, I mean, I think a lot of the time people think you know if you publish independently, you you do things all yourself. People, you know, some people call it self publishing, which isn't some a name that I like because there's no there's no self in it. To be honest with you, I I do the same as I would do if I had a traditionally uh, published book. You know, yeah. I. I I hire the same editors that Harper Collins and and people use. My cover designer has worked for Stephen King, John Le Carre, people like that. So it's it's very much the same arrangement that you would have. The only difference is essentially I also own the publishing company. <laughs> just just on the subject of the of the publishing, mm. um, you are renowned as a an expert in independent publishing. What made you want to do independent publishing rather than going through the traditional channels? Um, well, I think, as I said earlier, at the time, my, 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 my instincts had been to, to go through the traditional channels. That was all I knew yeah. was there. But um, once I realised that there was definite potential in doing things yourself, I think I'm somebody who's always kind of gone my own way anyway. So I think once I saw that actually that could in itself be a perfectly viable alternative to going down the traditional route, that that really appealed. And of course, yeah. now that's um, that, that's kind of really snowballed. And now um, there are more independently published books sold than there are traditional ones. It's it's now the the dominant wing of the market. But then it was um, it was a very small thing and 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 growing quite quickly as well. But um, yeah, obviously now things have things have really. I switched round, and it's the the traditional publishing houses and the, the big publishers who are who are really struggling, unfortunately. Yeah, so it's an interesting question in terms of writing. Writing, I would always consider to be, unless you're working for a company or a newspaper or something as as a job, it's almost like a hobby or an interest. So you're managing to combine your love of writing with a career as well. Mm. Do, do you, I mean, do you still regard it as a hobby, a business, or both? Um, well, both, I think. Yeah, I, it, you have to run it as a business. You, ha- you know, it, it's my job. It's my family's entire income. It's got to make got to make money. So I do have yeah. to have a business head on and, and and make sure it does make me some money. But also, I'm, I'm very acutely aware that I. I'm very lucky to be doing this and I am essentially being paid to do something that I love doing and would be doing anyway. So I, I try not to, to let the, the business side of it destroy the passion for me. That's, that's something I'm, yeah. I'm very keen to, uh, to keep hold of. Yeah. And, and the genre that you write in is crime fiction. Mm. What attracted it to you? And, and also, would you ever consider doing a, another type of genre? I mean, I've, I've always read cross genre. In fact, I read more nonfiction than anything, I think. But yeah. it was, you know, the crime book was the first one that came 
to me as a, a book that I wanted to write. I was reading a lot of crime on on the holiday that I was on that year when I first came up with the the first idea for my book, and it, it was a, a crime plot, and that's what I ended up yeah. writing and kind of fell into, I guess, because that first book had some success and um, and made me think, okay, maybe there's something in this. So I kind of pigeonholed myself a little bit, but I, I do love the genre. It's one that yeah. I, it probably is my favourite. It's one that I, I love reading as well as writing. In terms of doing other things, yeah, there are there are things I want to do. Um, that's always always a bit of a gamble, though, because, you know, I'm not known in other genres, not known in other circles. I would, it would be a case of starting again, probably with another pen name. Um, and, yeah, it's it's a case of thinking, well, as as a labour of love, yes, that's something that I probably will do. But it's it's also a, a matter of timing because you know, to to sit down and and take on another project like that is is months out of your life, um, at, at a very minimum. And um, the timing's got to be right for that. In in other words, I've got to wait until I can afford it. <laughs> yeah, and and in terms of of inspiration for your next stories is it something that you make a conscious effort to think about or, or does it just come perhaps even when you're writing a current book how does it work there's a bit of both yeah I, I, do, I do get ideas that come to me um and i i jot down like the the first scene and in, in in what lies beneath and what what kicked off the whole rutland crime series and um, that was something yeah. that kind of came to me as i was there um other times it's a case of having to to think I mean, obviously, you know, an opening scene is not not enough to to write a book. So I need to kind of sit down and think and brainstorm from there and work things out logically. Usually, so the sorry to interrupt, but hmm. the, so the idea of of that crime scene came to you while while you were at Rutland Water yeah. at Normanton Church. Yes, oh, yeah, right. yeah, or standing yeah. on the spot where the the dead body is discovered in the very first chapter. I was I was standing there and um, and and seeing it in my mind. So. Obviously, from there, I don't know who that person is. I don't know how they got there. Um, I don't know who killed them, why, what the background was, what the investigation is going to be. So I kind of, I'm then thinking these things through, like my police officer, and I'm, you know, getting into her head, and I'm trying to work yes. out how she's working these things out, the questions that she would ask, um, which also helps me get into her mind and to understand her and, and to be able to write her better as well. Yeah. And do you have any um, any policeman friends or anything that you can talk to about these sorts of things? Yeah. Well, I've, I've been very lucky, obviously, you know, through 10 years in the genre, I've built up quite a lot of contacts. Um, I've yeah. got friends who, who I know from outside of work who, who are police officers just by complete chance. And yeah, I've built up some, some great contacts as well, serving and ex-police um, officers. There's um, a, a family friend who's an ex-detective in uh, Leicestershire Police. And I've also... Oh, right. um, a good friend of mine, Graham Bartlett, who's a former um, chief superintendent um, down in Sussex and city commander yeah. of Brighton and Hove. So yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very lucky actually to have a, you know a good network of contacts that I've I've built up over the years who who get me out of some some very sticky situations and some holes that I will always inevitably write myself into. <laughs> so getting back to the book. Um, it's coming out on the 28th of July. Mm. Um, we can, I'll put on the show notes where you can get it. I, I presume, well, does it come from Amazon and other places? Yeah, well, it, anywhere you can get your books, really. Um, I've, I've been very keen to make sure with this, actually, that, um, that Amazon don't go undercutting local bookshops because you know, local is absolutely key with this series. So um, you can get them in, in any bookshop, really. But um, I recommend, personally, Walkers in, in Oakham and in Stamford. Um, yeah. they're, they're stocking them. 
Um, and yeah, I've, I've personally made sure that Amazon and, and online stores aren't able to sell it any cheaper than you can get it in, in those shops. And the shops will have it signed as well, so even better. Yeah. Oh, that, that sounds good. Oh, it'll be signed as yeah. well? Oh, yeah, exactly. and available at yeah. the same price or cheaper than Amazon. So for those listeners that aren't familiar with your books um, and perhaps haven't entered the sort of realms of uh, crime fiction, what, what, without giving too much away, what, what could they expect from this book? Um, well, I mean, that's very difficult to say, really, as um, I'm, a, I'm a bit biased and I'm the only one who's read it so far. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it, it opens uh, on a, a, a misty Sunday morning. Um, yeah. there's, there's two old boys boating on, uh, on Rutland Water. They do it every week. They go out every Sunday morning, have the same conversation, almost line by line. It, it's part of their routine. Um, only this week, um, one of them spots something which isn't normally there, which is a body on the rocks at Normanton Church, laid out in crucifixion pose facing the altar on this Sunday morning. So for the detectives, straight away, there's uh, some religious symbolism there. And one of them is yeah. is very sure that this is what's going on despite other things then gradually pointing in different directions um it's for me i think rutland is very much the main character in this book i mean you know the main literal character is uh, detective inspector caroline hills um but rutland itself i think for me is definitely the main character It's, it's the canvas that everything is painted on it's um you know everything is 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 about the area is about the history uh, is about local culture and it's it's absolutely central and the series just just couldn't be based anywhere else it sounds like an ideal um tv series to me i'm glad you said yeah, that is that something <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you could let my agent know that that'd be perfect yeah, I, I certainly will well i noticed that you've you've got some of the um crime thriller series adapted as audio plays mm. um so TV, possibly film, is something that you'd definitely be interested in. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the agents are always um, trying to, to get that done and get that um, right sold and things done on that front. Obviously, things have slowed down in, in recent months because TV is just not being made, and it, it's difficult enough anyway to get right sold because there are so many books out there, um, and and these things take a long time. But, yeah, it's, it's being talked about. And, um, you know, I'm hopeful that, especially with the, the buzz and the interest that this series seems to have created and how visual Rutland is and how you, you really need to be there to, to experience it and see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that, that something could one day be done on that front. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I can see or I can feel parallels with Morse and mm-hmm, Oxford and, mm-hmm. and then Stamford and Oakham. Uh, yes. Yeah, I think it'd be great. I'm, I'm glad you said that, actually, because that is something that's been at the back of my mind. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Morse and how how it has to be Oxford and it couldn't be anywhere else. And Peter James's book, Set in Brighton, they're very much, the locations are there, the shops, the pubs, the local businesses, they're all getting mentions, they're all part of it. Um, in this kind of parallel fictional universe. And that's that's something that, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely trying to do with this series, yeah. More murders per square foot than anywhere else in the country, I think, isn't it, Oxford? Quite possibly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, weirdly enough, that's kind of what appealed to me about Rutland, is the fact that it doesn't have a high crime rate. So it's, you know, it's quite obvious this is fictional. It's not me coming in, setting something in Nottingham or Leicester and saying, hey, look at all the murders they have here. It's... It's obviously safe. It's obviously a place where these things don't happen. And as a writer, that gives me a lot of um, a lot of creative license. Being, you know, with it being so obvious that it's fictional. And and for those listeners outside the UK, um, Rutland is the smallest county in the UK. Mm. 
Yeah. I believe yeah. a reinstated county, wasn't yes, it? Yes, in 97. Um, in central England. It's a lovely county mm. and it'd, it'd be great. Just um, on the subject of writing, I mean, I, I've never written a book, but I know a lot of people who have always said, I'd love to write a book. I've got one inside me, but they, they never actually get round to doing it. What would you say to those people? Um, I mean, the six words that I always say, and I'm I'm sure you, you don't allow profanities in your podcast, so I'll amend one of them slightly, um, <laughs> which is backside on chair, fingers on keyboard. Um, that's that's really the only advice you can give. Lots of people will try giving advice, but there's no rule. There's no one way of doing it. Lots of people have so many different ways of doing it. In, in 10 years in the industry, I've never met another writer who uses the same process as me or uses the same process as any other writer I've ever spoken to. We all do things differently. There's no right or wrong way. Um, there are no rules. There are lots of people who will tell you there are and who will try to tell you to do things their way. But the best thing you can do um, creatively is to find your own way. And the only way yeah. you can learn to write is to write. Yeah. And and is that when you, when you say um, sitting down on a chair and typing or writing mm. or whatever, um, do, you, do you type or do you write? Or I do type, yes. Yeah, my handwriting's yeah, dreadful. Yeah. I can't can't read anything I've written afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Problem is my brain moves too quickly sometimes. You probably notice with me darting about from topic to topic here. And um, yeah, my hands can't, can't move quickly enough. No. And how, how long does it normally take to write a book? I, mean, I, I suppose the question before that is, for, for those budding writers, um, is it a case of just going straight ahead or, or is it a case of thinking out and writing out the plot the the characters before you actually start writing how, how, how does it work or does that again vary by different authors yeah well yeah it varies completely some authors will sit down with a blank page and go from there um that yeah. is a, a a very romantic notion for me but one that also scares the life out of me um i don't think i'd be able to write a book that way i, I would write myself into too many corners and plot holes but i i do plan heavily for that reason. And it, it, that's why it's, it's a bit difficult to say how long things take because the, the planning process can take different amounts of time. Sometimes I will mostly plan and the plan will start to kind of slow down a bit. So I think, well, actually I'll rejuvenate this by starting to write. Um, at that point I will then, you know, I might deviate from the plan and have to go back and replot things, replan things. Um, how, how much I front load it with the planning depends very much on how much editing I'll have to do afterwards as well. Um, if I've got a nice tight plan and I know where everything's going, then I can, I can write the book very, very quickly because I know what's, what's going to happen. I know where things are going. I'm, I'm, I'm much more into it. And that slows the, uh, sorry, it speeds the editing process up at the end as well. It means there's normally less to tidy. So it depends. I think if I put enough work in up front in planning it, then the whole process does overall go more quickly, although it feels much slower at the start when you're, you know, all these great ideas are coming to you and you're gagging to just get in there and write them. So, so when you, when you start writing, you already know what the end is, do you? Yes. I, well, I know what intended end I have. It's not always the same thing. No. <laughs> I have many times, many, many times um, ended up with a completely different ending to what's planned because sometimes things come to you as you're writing it. You know, you get to know a character who was, a small side character in the plan who actually ends up having a massive personality um, and kind of changes the, the course of action a bit. So the, the way I always um, explain it is it's a bit like setting off on a long car journey. You put your destination into the sat nav and you know you're going to get to that destination, but 
if there's traffic along the way, then it will reroute and it will take you a slightly different way around. You're still going to the same place. You're still getting to the end of the book, but there might be a different journey on the way. And when I when I set off, I'm not going right. I'm definitely going to you know do A1, A606. I'm you know if there's traffic on the way, then I'll I'll take a diversion and and go the the better way. That's a great analogy. Mm, thank you. And how <laughs> how many yeah. How you know how how many hours a day are, are you actually putting pen to paper, so to speak? Uh, that varies. I mean, if I've got a book on and if I'm in the writing process, then I will try to, to to make it most of the day. Obviously, there are other things that that do need doing as well. But perhaps, like at the moment, for example, I've I finished the first book. I'm working on the second, but I'm still um, kind of in the the later planning stages on that. So I'm not putting words down in. You know, in an actual manuscript, I'm, I'm I'm putting words down in terms of planning and working out where things are going to go. Um, so it can vary. It can be anything from kind of no hours up to 10, depending on, on where I am. But, you know, I'm usually in the office pretty much all day, every day from about seven till seven. Yeah. Oh, so it's 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 like a working day, really. Oh, completely, yeah. I mean, and and more. Would you write at weekends as well? Yes, yeah. Um, I mean, weekends, bank holidays don't don't really mean much to me because I'm working at home all the time anyway. Um, and when my wife and I are both, you know, we both work on it. She does. Uh, she runs my office, so we um, yeah, we're always doing things. We might be replying to emails on our phone while we're in front of the TV at night, or you know in the morning before we've got into the office might reply to a couple of things or be discussing things so it's it's kind of always there really it, it is a very much a 24-hour thing yeah when you're not writing and you're not you're not um looking after your young child um what what's your downtime what i know you mentioned you went to the pub when they're open that is, of course <laughs> what 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 other hobbies have well you this got? is it i don't do downtime very well and that's why i have to oh, kind right. of force myself to go to the pub <laughs> i mean that's a, a terrible thing to have to do isn't it woe is me um but yeah that's, that's the only way i would stop doing things work-wise is to get out and just um and do something else and physically force myself um to to not be in the office um i i really enjoy my garden i spend a lot of time out there when it's not raining as it is today as we talk um so i very much enjoy doing that i also present a crime fiction podcast with um a friend of mine fellow crime author and an actor robert dawes who lives about half a mile up the road from me so we you know we interview other crime fiction writers we talk about what we've been doing what we've been reading what we've been watching um and generally just get quite silly in front of the microphone once a week that sounds like fun. And you've got over 100 episodes, I see. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 109, I think, as we as we record now. So, What's the podcast called? It's called Partners in Crime. We, um, Yeah, we've traditionally uh, recorded here in my, my studio at home. But of course, during lockdown, we've had to, to do it remotely, which has presented its own challenges and also quite annoying considering we're, we're less than half a mile apart. But we, um, we have actually, the weather was being quite good up until today this week so we were able to record the latest episode um in my garden a socially distant two and a half meters apart um so yeah it's it's much better to be able to be back together in the same studio or at least in the same garden where can people find out more about your work um well my website is adamcroft.net i'm uh, floating around on various social media platforms as well on twitter um i've got a facebook uh, Adam Croft Readers Group as well, so yeah, any, anywhere really that um, that I I've thought of signing up, I, I should be there. Excellent. Well, we'll put all that on the uh, show notes. Brilliant. It's been a great conversation. Thanks ever so much for coming on the show. Thank you for asking me, and we'll speak soon. Thank you. 
My thanks go to today's guest, Adam Croft, international best-selling crime fiction and thriller author and co-host of the Crime Fiction Podcast, Partners in Crime. I really enjoyed this conversation with Adam, so much so that I got hold of one of his earlier books, Her Last Tomorrow, which I'm really enjoying. It's one of those books that you can't put down. A great read, which I can thoroughly recommend. And don't forget, Adam's new book, What Lies Beneath, comes out on the 28th of July. You have been listening to Undercurrent Stories. I hope that you've enjoyed the show. Please subscribe or follow the show for future episodes. And if you like what you hear, please share the show link to your friends and family. And if you have 60 seconds, I would be most grateful if you would please rate and review the show. Please check out our webpage and social media links where details can be found on the show notes. Until next time, this is Bob Wells wishing you all the very best.